Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Friday, August 26th, 2022. Did you catch the first episode of season three of Star Trek Lower Decks last night? I did. I, you know, it, it's been fun to watch that and Beavis and Butthead uh, back to back at us. Uh... Have you started watching the new episodes yet? I have not, and that might have helped. After the big setup for last season, you know, the whole Captain Freeman setup for the destruction of the Packlet planet, and Mariner and her friends are going to have to scour the universe to prove that the Captain didn't do it. And I thought, okay, they're setting up a whole season-long adventure, and no. They wrap it all up in the first episode, which I kind of found disappointing. Don't get me wrong, it was fun to hear James Cromwell again as Zephyrin Cochran. Yeah, that was great. That was, but I was really kind of looking forward to this epic story playing out, and now it's back to square one, right? Yeah, I mean, I I just got uh, in the mail, literally right before we started recording, Paramount sent me the new 4K set of the original six movies. So I am very excited to go back and revisit some of those earlier Trek adventures. Well, speaking of the the Trek movie, you saw the news today about Matt Shackman walking away from the Paramount Theatrical, right? Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be the fourth uh, Kelvin timeline movies, right? Yeah. But, but Marvel Studios must have been thrilled that Paramount <laughs> inadvertently confirmed a very big piece of Marvel Studios news by saying that he was unavailable. <laughs> hmm, that's right. The Fantastic Four film. So, yeah, this new Stark movie is su- still supposed to come out uh, December 22nd of next year. And Mr. Shackman has a little more time for Fantastic Four. That doesn't come out till November 8th of 2024. But this is not animation news, Drew. This is Star Trek news. So, I know, okay. I know. We got we to gotta get back to it, Jim. And speaking of news, as always, the news portion of Fine Tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Let's start with the Pinocchio trailer that I'm kind of shocked that we're 10 days out from this debuting on on Disney Plus, the the, the Zemeckis movie. Yeah, nobody's seen it. Um, <laughs> nobody is allowed Ooh. to see it and okay. uh, the review embargo is the day of release and the premiere is the night before or maybe the night of that it's on Disney Plus at the lot gym so you know that they're really serious when they don't spend one dollar on the premiere Ooh. I will be attending don't get me wrong okay but uh, yeah I don't know but wow. I didn't think the trailer was terrible no, in a weird sort of way, I like the look of uh, Jay Fowlfeather and just the fact that Pinocchio is so slavishly close to the film from 1940, it's got me really looking forward to the Guillermo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love Zemeckis. He's done some really amazing things, but he has. it's he a has. tall order to try to replicate what is arguably the finest accomplishment of Walt Disney Animation Studios. Definitely the best of the uh, the big five original films. But yeah, it's it it is a little bit it's a little bit like Gus Van Sant recreating Psycho because it's just like what is the point here, you know? 
Yeah, that's an excellent observation there. On the other hand, we have yet another animation live-action project that debuted just this week on Netflix. We've got Lost Ollie, and you've seen all four episodes of this, right? Yeah, yeah, I've got some good coverage coming out from that. I just have been underwater, as you've known. It's a crazy news week this week. But yeah, when are you, you going to fire it up, Jim? you got to get your tear ducts ready. I'm trying to clear time this weekend because I looked at it and it's like four episodes. It's manageable. I can do this. But again, I have Kleenex ready. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, or? it's it's a really wonderful accomplishment. I mean, I kind of say that it's like if Terrence Malick had directed Toy Story is kind of the vibe. It's very naturalistic. Wow. It gets into some kind of heavy themes, you know. You know when mm-hmm. it's rated TV 14 for terror that it's going to be good. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's when you know this is some real stuff for kids. You know, they're going to be dealing with some stuff. Yeah, I absolutely adored it. I cannot wait for you to watch it, Jim, and we'll talk about mm. it on the next episode. And, and while we're talking about Netflix, it's also worth noting that season two of Cuphead started just last Friday, the August 19th. We've got 13 new episodes of this Fleischer-esque show, and... I so enjoy the look and the writing, and this is just so much fun if you're a fan of animation history. But it's also really well-written. I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised that sometimes, like the, the 1930s almost screwball comedy wordplay. Are you watching it, or...? I haven't started these new episodes, but yeah, I I love it. It got kind of, The first batch kind of got weirdly overlooked, I thought, or maybe like under rated but that first batch also had a great cliffhanger with the introduction of the new character there we go there so we yeah go. i'm very excited to see how that plays hmm. out so i'm ready to jump back in okay well cool yeah, and by the way she's a sweetheart okay i have to ask this because clay dreams the mark evans film about will vinton and will vinton studios okay supposedly completed back in 2021 finally got a limited theatrical release earlier this month. It was out in theaters on August 5th. I'm dying to see this movie. It seems to have dropped off the planet. Is it playing out in L.A. at all? I don't think so. I mean, part of me wondered if there was some weirdness with Leica because they started as as Will Vinton Studios, and I was wondering... They did. Yeah, if there was something weird there. But no, I haven't seen it at all. I mean, I think it played some festivals and things, but nothing... Nothing that you can go and buy a ticket to, for sure. Because it's making me crazy. There's at least one story that showed up in, in a review that really caught my attention. The fact that evidently Pixar at one point tried to buy Will Vinton Studios and bring it in-house. Well, let's be the best of both worlds. Let's be the, the best CG computer operation in, on the planet and the best claymation. And Vinton didn't go for the deal, which which then left the door open for Travis and his dad. So if anybody's heard where this is playing, can they please share? Because it's so strange to hammer on Google and it's like, yeah, this movie exists and it doesn't seem to be playing anywhere. It's just very strange. Anyway, we were just talking about Leica. And of course, earlier this week, we got news on the voice cast of Wildwood. What did you make of that? Well, I mean, it's a pretty amazing cast. Supposedly the Carrie Mulligan is the voice of our lead. The lead character in this thing is preteen Prue McKeel, 
who must uh, enter an enchanted wonderland where her baby brother Mac is taken by a murder of crows into the forest depths. That's the log line for this thing. We are almost a full year out from when this is supposed to arrive in theaters. Uh, August 18th, 2023. But yeah, it's a crazy voice cast. Mahershala Ali, Angela Bassett, Jermaine Clement, Tom Waits, and Richard E. Grant. Anybody else from the well, cast Well, I mean, list, Jacob, Jacob Tremblay, who is in Luca, obviously is in the cast. Also, uh, Aquafina, who is in Ryan the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love this this uh, younger actress, mm-hmm. Amandla Stenberg, especially because she's caused a little bit of controversy with a, a film critic. I don't know if you've been following that whole story, Jim. Oh, uh, God, yes. Yeah, so... I wondered why I recognized that name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's a really impressive cast. Where did you get that date, though, Jim? Because they don't, they still don't have a distribution partner. I literally pulled that today. Oh, God, I hope you're right. What kind of intrigues me is they're saying this is Leica's most ambitious film yet, which on the heels of Kubo and the two strings, it's like, how are you going to top that? Wow, Jim, you have just completely forgotten about Mm. Missing Link. I'm sorry, that's lovely film, but Kubo, you know, just the stylization, the animation, the, the epic scale. I also have to say, if I'm playing favorites here, What's nice about this time of year, especially since here in America, Halloween starts in the middle of August. This is when Paranorman starts to go into heavy rotation on cable television. And if I'm blipping along and come across that, an hour of my life is now lost because it's like I always have to stop and watch that movie. Though, did you see where Coraline was just back in theaters early this month? I think I saw a little something about that. I also, I think this is all sort of in prep for that, mm. you know, the show we were talking about. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah, that's right. The, that's right. That, that, that MoMA, I think. Actually, I think it's the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens. And, okay. Yeah, and, I, and again, I think you're right. I think it starts early September. And, and again, you got to come out. We got to go see that. Yes. But anyway, Coraline was back in theaters. This is the second year in a row they put it back in the theaters. And what's interesting it doubled its box office take from last year. One night only with Fathom Events, they sold over $800,000 worth of tickets and, and showing it at eight, 800 locations. So love that like is getting a little love there. It helps that there aren't any new movies out until <laughs> November. <laughs> you know, I feel like people are really looking around for something to watch. Yeah, well, if you wanted to see Scoob Holiday Hunts, there was only one place to see that. That was... On the Warner Brothers lot within the past week to 10 days. You've been hearing about these funeral screenings for Scoob and and Batgirl? What a terrible name for them, right? Like, good lord. Given what happened to those two films, and it's sad when going into the vault forever is the best case scenario. Have you heard about supposedly the IRS may demand that they prove that they burned the prints and that they erased all the digital copies. I mean, that's crazy. Seems a little extreme, but, you know. It does. What do I know, Jim? Remember this time last week, you and I were basically working off of rumors about this whole HBO Max cartoon network things disappearing there because of what execs at Warner Brothers Discovery uh, were supposedly asking. But did you see where Owen Dennis, the creator and, and showrunner of Infinity Train, actually came forward that 
2500 word essay he posted in his Substack. Yes, yeah, I've been talking to Owen too since and it's just like it's just complete bewilderment, you know? It's like like how do you deal with this? And and I and I'm glad that he put that out. I thought it was really great and very emotional and like Yeah. Yeah. And Owen starts off by saying I had no idea it was coming. Neither did any other show creator I've talked with nor any other representatives. And the thing that jumped out at me is that evidently Cartoon Network begged the execs at Warner Brothers Discovery for a week's time to properly let all of the creators and that sort of thing know that this was going to happen. And do you see what they refused? It was like, no, this has to happen quickly, so go do it. Well, what's so baffling about that decision, too, is that Summer Camp Island, which is one of the shows that they pulled, has new episodes coming out on Cartoon Network still. I think there are 20 episodes that they... Uh, produced over the last couple of years that still have yet to air. So Cartoon Network is trying to still maintain a relationship with these people whose shows are still airing and that the parent company is just like treating like garbage. Let's share what Mr. Wilson had to say about these executives at Warner Brothers Discovery. He called them on their rude, unprofessional, and slimy behavior. And by the way, it's also worth noting here to add to the offense. It's been pointed out to me that a number of the shows that have been shelved or outright canceled featured, prominently featured characters that were people of color or members of the LGBTQ community. So maybe we need to throw the term racist and homophobic into Owen's pile of descriptors for those executives. Yeah, I mean, there were were a lot of reports that the executive pool is now much wider than it was a couple of weeks ago. But, (laughs) you know, we did have this news, I mean, potential news. I'm not sure how much validity is actually there. But the Dan Lin story. Yes, yes. Please um, talk about it because that's kind of interesting. Dan obviously has a lot of experience in the world of animation. I mean, he was the producer of the Lego movie, the Lego Batman movie, the Lego Ninjago movie, and Lego Movie 2, the the second part. But also he did the live-action version of Aladdin with Will Smith. Yeah, he also has Haunted Mansion coming out in the spring, and he's working on Lilo and Stitch. So... Yeah, definitely already a busy guy, but can you talk about the gig he's supposedly up for? Yeah, well, the gig he's up for is a is to uh, oversee what they're referring to as DC filmed content. And he would oversee film and TV, which is pretty unusual. But the more unusual part is that he wouldn't actually report to Mike DeLuca. Uh, He would actually just report straight to Zaslav, which is really interesting because they're sort of equating him to Kevin Feige, where Feige still has to go to Alan Bergman you know, he is not appealing directly to Bob Chapek. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. some ways, he he would be filling a similar role to Feige. In other ways, he would have more of a direct line to the purse strings that are being, you know, controlled. Although so much of the press this week about Warner Brothers Discovery has also been about the lack of funds to even promote some of these movies. We saw... Uh, Shazam 2 get kicked down the curb as well as uh, Aquaman 2. Part of this is due to a backlog on visual effects, which we all have heard about, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with the fact that they in an effort to cut down on spending, don't have the money to actually promote more than two movies. So 
They slotted in House Party for December 9th. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that will be their Christmas movie, I guess. And the only other movies coming out from Warner Brothers this fall are Don't Worry Darling, which has its own troubles in the press today, as well as uh, Black Adam, the forthcoming Dwayne Johnson movie, which it was teased in League of Super Pets, the animated film from the summer. (laughs) It was. Yes. (laughs) One of the other projects that it's still in production, it just doesn't have a home currently, is the Batman Cape Crusader, the thing that Matt Reeves, the guy who directed the Batman movie that came out earlier this year, uh, J.J. Abrams and, and Bruce Timmer doing, is that right? Yes, it's the one, and uh, Ed Brubaker and Bruce, yeah, is writing it, and it has been described as being more Batman the Animated Series than Batman mm. the Animated Series, which I love that description. I think that is so oh. cool, and I was so excited for this show. Yep. And yeah, it is being, it basically, people were saying it was canceled. It's not canceled. It's just not no. going to air on HBO Max anymore. Mm-hmm. But when I wrote this up, I said, it's not like Disney Plus is going to put on a Batman show. So already your pool is very limited. And there are other things that were similarly taken off the table, which we have to talk about. There was that Daffy and Porky save the world thing that, especially on the heels of how well the Rescue Rangers movie did, just the disconnect or for that matter, the, the notion that a product like Batman Cape Crusader, which again, Warner Brothers has made money off of Batman since, when was the Burton movie? That was 82? No, that was 88? 88. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, the, the fact that it's not going to be at HBO Max, but according to the trades just tonight, that Apple TV, Netflix, and Hulu are all keenly interested in this animated series, which again is being shopped around. But Jim, you gotta remember, we got the Bugs Bunny musical also being shipped around. Mm. The uh, Batman kind of Home Alone movie, Merry Little Batman, which concerned Damian Wayne mm. being in the uh, Batcave alone when some, some bad guys show up. Also the Urkel Christmas uh, special. Did I do that Christmas? Yes. This pile, along with the, the, the Daffy and Porky thing, those all look like stuff that will be fun and would draw an audience to HBO Max. And it's like, why take things that seem like sure things and pull the plug them? I just, I, I do not get this. And I that do not speaks get so clearly to the legacy of Warner Brothers. I don't get it, Jim. I don't understand it. It goes, as we talked about last week, goes against the principles of streaming services, which is create content that will live on the service forever that connects with mm. you know your brand mm-hmm. all that stuff this time last year we were talking about vivo the sony pictures animation project that had like a teeny tiny run in theaters like for a week july 30th of last year and then debuted on netflix just a week later and i know in the past you and i have complained about the fact that netflix doesn't seem to do all that good a job of merchandising its films so the other day I am walking through Target and I see on an end cap, they have a Blu-ray of Vivo. And what's interesting is it just hit its store shelves back August 9th, you know, just earlier this month. And, you know, I made a few calls, checked in, and supposedly it's a trial balloon. 
to see whether or not there's an interest for people to actually own these things that they can already see on, on Netflix? Well, they had Mitchells vs. Machines came out a little while they did. ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the only other the only other Netflix stuff that's come out on Blu-ray has either been like mm-hmm. co-productions like the House of Cards seasons you can get on mm-hmm. Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when Criterion will put out Okja or, mm-hmm. you know, one of those movies on, on Blu-ray. So mm-hmm. I would love for there to be more. Absolutely. And by the way, if anybody's listening over at Netflix, you want to try another trial balloon, Klaus, putting that amazing uh, Sergio Pablos film out around the holidays. That seems to be a no-brainer. Give me Sea Beast, 4, 4K Sea Beast, Jim. That's what I want. There we go. Or go bring out Wish Dragon just before Chinese New Year. Oh, I love it, Jim. I love your, I love this thought process. But I'm doing this for entirely selfish reasons. All right, uh, I want them. <laughs> you know, I, I just, you know, I've got the wonderful art of book for Klaus, and there was never was one of those for Wish Dragon. Though you were mentioning tonight that there's also a number of other recent films that are showing up uh, for, you know, for purchase. Well, at least on, on digital. Uh, and in fact, you were just talking about League of Super Pets, right? Oh, yeah, that, that just hit digital this week. You can buy it for $25. I have s- so far resisted the urge, Jim. Okay. But it's okay. such an interesting climate because, you know, we you would expect that to just be on HBO Max, but mm-hmm. they are not going that route anymore. They are no. trying to milk it for every dollar it's worth. So who knows when it'll actually be on the platform. But, yeah, if you have not seen it and are dying to see it, I am dying to see it, but have not. Um, you can uh, you can buy it for twenty five dollars on all your all your major uh, streaming platforms, or I'm sorry, a PVOD platform. There we go. There we go. And uh, also, do do you want to talk about Bell? Oh yes. So Tuesday, um, mm-hmm. which, have you seen this? No, but this is what makes me happy. Is it's it's finally coming to a place where I can get at it. Yeah. Well, it's on it's on HBO Max right now, but on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to pimp this out, Jim. It is a deluxe 4K version of the movie, and it comes in this beautiful package. If I had it here with me, I would open it up to show you, Jim. Mm-hmm. It is so cool and beautiful. Um, a making-of book and the movie in the best imaginable picture and sound uh, available. So it's a little pricey. It's about $50 right now on Amazon. I will say that I have it and it is worth it. So um, that is from our friends at, at G Kids and Shop Factory. And also, actually, Jim, I want to... Have you heard about this show called Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water? You might remember it coming up when uh, Atlantis came out. Yes. Okay. Should I give a rundown of what it is? Yeah, please, please. It's sort of a, it's sort of a steampunk-inspired anime series that was done by the cr- creator who would go on to create... Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and it actually started as an idea that he and Miyazaki had together, and they the one project kind of split off into Nausicaa, and th- or not a lot Nausicaa, a Castle in the Sky, and mm-hmm. this. So you kind of see, you know, the two parents kind of going off in different directions, but it's got a remarkably similar plot and design to Atlantis. And G Kids and and Shout Factory just put out a beautiful box set, and I've been going through the episodes sort of when I when I have some free time, and it's it's just wonderful. It's an absolutely wonderful show. So I recommend if you have any interest in any of those things, to pick it up right now on home video. 
Well, again, folks, we we told you it was a crazy news week, and 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 so it is. And speaking of uh, rather crazy news, on on the second half of today's show, we Drew and I are going to be celebrating the 35th anniversary of what should have been the third uh, series produced by Walt Disney Television Animation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know we talked on last week's show about how box office for Rise of Gru was going to increase because the film was finally being allowed to be released in China and true to form. This Illuminations Entertainment movie it now stands at $838 million in ticket sales worldwide, but you wanted to talk about the special end for the film that's been crafted for China, right? Yeah. Well, did you see the movie, Jim? We're gonna end, we're gonna ruin the movie right now. Uh, uh, You're okay. You're okay. Yeah, I can't sleep at night. Please go on. Okay. So, so the end of the movie is the uh, Alan Arkin character, who's kind of an old time thief, and Gru, who's young, you know, little Gru, kind of go off together and escape, and you think, oh, they're gonna get up to some mischief. But the for the Chinese release, because they do not want to encourage anyone to become a supervillain obvious, for obvious reasons, Jim, I mean, they inserted two title cards that say, and this is very reminiscent of, do you remember when they edited the end of Fight Club to say that oh. the Brad Pitt oh. character was arrested That's before right. before That's any of right. the bombs went off? So yep. there are two title cards, one that says the Alan Arkin character was arrested and, and served 12 years in jail or something. And then mm. the other one is that Gru went back to his family. So everything is fine, Jim. The, you know, the, the insidious, <laughs> you know, influence of minions have been, has been avoided on the Chinese uh, mainland populace. So, And, you know, what I love about this is the arm of the Chinese government that deals with Western films is literally called the propaganda office. So, you know, just, <laughs> I love the fact that someone in the propaganda office wrote those cards and had them tacked on to the end of the You know, film, it so. makes me appreciate Lightyear and its refusal to remu- remove the same-sex kiss even more. You know, and again, seriously, folks, haven't seen that on Disney+, Plus. you are missing out on a great film. And before we, we get to the kid stuff portion of the show today, uh, worth noting that just last night, uh, Little Demon debuted on FXX. And given this is an animated series that starts at 10 p.m. at night, yes, it's aimed at adults. And yes, this is the one that has full frontal nudity. But what's more intriguing to me is that the main character of this thing, Chrissy Feinberg, teenage girl who finds out that she is in fact the spawn of satan uh she's voiced by lucy devito and her dad danny devito is the one who voices the devil on the show and and what you know you know you you're in an interesting time when that's the second father-daughter team that's doing animation right now because i think a show or two back we were talking about disney's hamster and gretel were created by dan povenmeyer and his daughter melly is voicing the title character Gretel. Speaking of Disney-related stuff, Drew uh, pointed out 
But it's it's National Dog Day. In fact, you have Nova there with yes. you in who's been a very good dog. She's been no noise at all. I know. Sometimes know. I'm like, oh, you're here? Because she's so mm-hmm. quiet. But yeah, she's in my little sweat box with me right now. Oh, she's a sweetheart. But I don't know if you saw, once again, there are, are there's no polite way of saying the stupid people who are talking about how Goofy is supposedly a cow. I never even understood where this thought process came from. Supposedly, he's occasionally paired with Clarabelle Cow. And it's like, yeah, Mickey and the, the Three Musketeers that they did a couple of years back. But it's just sort of like when he was introduced in May of 1932 in Mickey's review, he was literally called Dippy Dog. I mean, Goofy didn't land as the name for the character till a couple of films in. So it's like, no, Dippy Dog. He's a dog. Just just let it go. The cow people are not going to win this argument. On the other hand, if we want to talk about Disney dogs, Drew, have you ever seen Fluffy Dog? I think I looked it up at one point. Um, this, we should say, is also the opposite of Netflix shows in the sense that there was so much merchandise around this oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so tell us more. Michael Eisner comes through the door in September of 1984, and he's looking for ways to make additional revenue for the the Walt Disney Company. And Disney has never done animation for Saturday morning. So Michael immediately turns to folks and says, we should be in that market. And sure enough, September of 85, less than 10 months after Michael's come through the door, Disney has two shows on Saturday morning. They have The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. That's on NBC. And they then have The Wuzzles, which airs on CBS. And they did half as well as they'd hoped. I mean, the Gummy Bears wound up running for six seasons. Uh, They made 65 episodes, and I'm sure you recall seeing the characters in the park at some point. Yes. On the other hand, the Wuzzles, they produced 13 episodes. They had this brand was supported by merch, and it crashed and burnt. But they had just released The Black Cauldron. And what what kind of both infuriated and fascinated Michael was the animated film that did better business that summer than Disney's $20 million animated sword and sorcery thing was the Care Bears. And it's like, okay, so clearly that's what people are looking for. How can we get our own Care Bears? Which brings us to the Fluffy Dogs. And I don't think I've ever <laughs> read a more overwritten description. I mean, they wanted an adventure series like the Gummy Bears. They said, okay, people, that show succeeded. People like adventure shows. But they also wanted a show that could that had cute characters like the Care Bears. So this is how the show actually starts off. A band of adventurous, cuddly, dog-like creatures called Fluppies who use a crystal key to open interdimensional doorways. They started the show on a mountain in one world in perilous weather, and they used the key to open it. They escaped to a jungle world where they're then chased by a giant purple dinosaur creature, and they open another portal and tumble into a supermarket on Earth. And this is where they meet 10-year-old Jamie, who be, is supposed to have been their good friend and companion throughout this series and protected them from the evil J.J. Wagstaff, who, who wanted their crystal key, who wanted the power to jump from world to world. And there were five fluppies. There was Stanley, who was blue, who was the loyal fluppy. 
Uh, there was Tippy, who was pink. She was the loving Fluffy. Uh, there was Bink, the yellow one, and she was shy. Ozzy, the green one, and he was cool in, in kind of a, a Fonzie kind of a way. And then there was Dink, the red one, who was playful. And they produced the pilot. And Eisner wanted, before they committed to a full series, because of what had happened with the Wuzzles and how he was stuck with 13 episodes, that, you know, uh, what am I going to do with this? So he, he requested, look, let's set this up to, to run on one of the then three networks and see if there's interest, actual audience interest in this thing. So they cut a deal with ABC. And uh, this actually aired on ABC on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, 1986 that's November 27th and it wound up coming in 70th for the week it was the lowest rated ABC film of the week film is kind of a exaggeration though very much so very much so but there was a very large merchandise program behind this thing Kenner got on board fully because again they saw the Care Bears and wanted you know something like that of their own and there were books and, and and all that and so they made this series of 16 inch tall fluffy dog plushes that had yarn hair they also came they, with fashions. they looked kind of like the shaggy dog kind of this is true and this I think true. that I think I had one of these dogs Jim that's where Did I you? think yeah really yeah. Don't dig it out and show it to Nova. This will, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this will traumatize her. But, you know, this stuff hit for the Christmas season of 86. And there were plans to expand the line in 87. Uh, another six floppies were designed and were supposed to be introduced in the show when it got renewed for season two. But Eisner looked at the ratings, looked at the pilot, and it's like, eh. We're not going to do this. And in fact, they burned off the Fluffy Dogs pilot by, in fact, it, it would have been 35 years ago tonight on August 30th on the episode of The Wonderful World of Disney that aired on ABC. They played the episode of Fluffy Dogs and it's like, there, now we shot it on television. We can officially you know, write it off. By the way, if you're interested in seeing this, someone has actually remastered the full 45-minute-long pilot, and it's up on YouTube right now. And it's also worth noting that maybe it's a good thing that Fluffy Dogs failed because after that, Disney opted to go tried and true rather than with new, which is why in September of 87, we got our DuckTales show. And, And speaking of DuckTales, remember how with the DuckTales reboot, they would periodically bring in characters from the other Disney afternoon shows like I, I think Rescue Rangers showed up with one in one and of course they, they brought in Darkwing and Duck and that sort of thing but in the Let's Get Dangerous episode that aired in 2017 the Fluffy Dogs actually show up I guess there's a, an interdimensional doorway that opens as part of the show and for, for a brief moment the Fluffy Dogs come through so so their canon, at least as far as the DuckTales reboot show is going. God bless it. And speaking of reboot, if you Google Fluffy Dogs right now, there is a, a woman, Spring Hickman, who seems determined to bring these things back. In fact, she lists herself as the brand owner. And as of August of last year, uh, she had some new versions of the Fluffy Dogs. I, I guess these are called Fluffy Fluffy Dogs. And she was even looking to get some new animation featuring these versions of the characters up on YouTube. So, 
who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll talk about them in a, a, a future fine tuning. But so wait, where is the re- where is the remastered version on YouTube? All you have to do is uh, go to YouTube and type in Fluppy Dogs. It's F L U P P Y, folks. And the full 45 minute version's there. There's also another version where they break it into five different parts. It's going to be like that video of everyone watching Game of Thrones in New York, Jim. Did you see that? The entire apartment building. But it's going to be as soon as this episode drops, everyone going on YouTube to watch Fluppy Dogs. I seriously doubt that. In fact, (laughs) to be honest, folks, if you want some quality entertainment, don't go for the Fluffy Ducks. Go for Light the Fuse. Drew's (laughs) wonderful podcast that he does with Charles Hood about the Mission Impossible movies. And what are we talking about this week? This week we are uh, finishing with a a visual effects producer who worked on uh, Mission Impossible 3 and Ghost Protocol. Some great news stories there. And yeah, I think that's it. Okay. We, and by the way, we also have some other podcasts here you might enjoy listening to. We have uh, Disney Dish with Lentesto. We have Looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gunn. We also have Marvelous Disney, or the Marvel news podcast that I do with Aaron Adams. Beyond that, Drew, uh, where can folks find you on social media? Uh, just Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt on Instagram and Twitter. What about you, Jim? Where can people find you? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Thanks for listening, and Mr. Taylor and I will be back soon.